Hello! Welcome to our Halloween episode of the Dakota Boys Talk Movies. I'm Steven. And I am Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a really, really fail at my Dracula voice. Welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk. Oh, that's just getting worse as it goes. <laughs> but, that... It's funny, when Halloween comes up, we all talk like Dracula, or try to, and yet, no horror movie today really has that type of Dracula type things to it. All the ones nowadays seem like they're just like gore fest. Yeah, way too many actually. Yeah. And so today, Dakota and I are going to do a Halloween type themed episode, but we want to talk about some movies that we feel are good recommendations to watch maybe this time of year or any time that you feel like watching a spooky movie. But we tried to pick ones that don't necessarily rely on gore. Because gore isn't scary. Gore is just gross. Yeah, this is definitely the time of year a lot of people are going to get together and be like, hey, let's watch some horror movies. So we got a few that none of them are necessarily the same. No, we tried to go a little all over the place. Uh, We're each going to kind of... (laughs) We're each going to give a couple recommendations and we'll kind of shoot back and forth. And we'll also throw out some others that we think are worth the watch but we're just not going to spend much time on so uh yeah let's start with you dakota what do you got up first okay one movie that i always found to be just kind of creepy and just kind of tends to freak me out like kinda. after after watching this i i definitely want to turn the lights on maybe and... go get out of your pee pants <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe maybe grab a crucifix and you know <laughs> jeez Start reading some Bible verses out loud just to ward ward off the spirits. But uh, that would be The Shining. And what was it, 1980 this movie came out? Yeah, 1980. Yeah, so a bit of an old one, but... Uh, Not that old. Yeah. <laughs> In the scheme of movies, you know, it's... It's only been 35 years. Yeah. But uh, I always like this movie because... Uh, kind of going back to what you said, not a lot of gore, but a lot of just really, really long, creepy moments. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, The Shining is like a kind of a twofold thing going for it. You had Stanley Kubrick, who's a very visual director, and so he just the way he could film things gave it a sense of dread. And then Jack Nicholson without any makeup or anything. <laughs> scary. Scary, man. Just being him. Just being Jack Nicholson. Yeah, there was... I don't think he really had much preparation for this. Uh, Stanley Kubrick was probably like, all right, just be yourself. <laughs> and that's all it took for Jack <laughs> Nicholson. <laughs> and he's like, you want me to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Yeah. And then he picked up an axe and threw it. Ironically, someone else I could see playing this role, although this would have been maybe a little before his time to play it, would have been his co-star in Batman. I could see Michael Keaton playing the role of Jack Torrance. Oh, yeah, man. He was... Uh, he was good at playing crazy. <laughs> but... He was... Yeah, I'm trying to think of... Uh, was it The Tenant? He was in where he he's the guy renting the apartment, and uh, he ends up, like... Like, kind of screwing over this couple, and he's just overall really psychotic. And then they go after him, he goes out. It's kind of a cat and mouse game. I can't, I think it was. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. It was called something like that, but yeah, he, he was another one. It's kind of funny how they co starred in Batman. I can see them both playing the role. But what is kind of, can you set up The Shining for those people who may not know, Dakota? Okay. Uh, well, the movie follows Jack Torrance and his family. They're from Maine. They are going to the... Stephen King novel. They're always from Maine. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Anyway, they are on their way to the Overlook Hotel, which is in Colorado. And the plan is for Jack to be the caretaker of this place during the winter season. Because, obviously, Colorado, winter, the place can be completely shut down. It is supposed to be way up in the mountains where there's absolutely nothing nearby and he brings his family along and it's it's just supposed to be them 
And he's care- is also while he's caretaking it, isn't he like a writer? He's yeah. there to finish his book. Yeah, he's he's a writer. Um trying to remember i don't even think wow i'm really failing right now (laughs) (laughs) um it was brought up in the book but i don't think it was in the movie but uh the character did have a novel he was working on which uh once he got to the hotel he decided he kind of gets enraptured by the hotel and finds a bunch of stuff in storage uh news clippings photos and decides he's just going to write a book about the Overlook Hotel. And for him, that's when things start getting a little shaky. Although, like I said, this isn't in the movie. Um, one thing that's interesting about this movie is Stanley Kubrick kind of intentionally, right off from the bat, started playing uh, playing head games with people because there's a huge shot of the hotel and the famous maze from this movie is nowhere to be seen in that shot. You could say, oh, well, maybe it's in the back. It's like, well, you could kind of tell there's not much of a, a back area to this place. And in a couple other shots, you see layouts of the maze. Well, none of those shots. There's like a little miniature of the maze. Um, there's a graph of the maze right outside said maze. None of those are the same. So it's kind of supposed to supposed to trick you like oh well you know let me get a quick look at this thing here Hmm. but uh i always thought that was cool so it kind of kind of from the get-go it was stanley kubrick was was going to have this be just one giant one giant freak out (laughs) and there are plenty moments of those you know from the little boy riding his uh his big wheels down the hallway to uh to one scene which I was found uh, incredible, where Jack, who's an alcoholic, is just dying for a drink. He walks into the ballroom of this hotel, and <laughs> kind of has a little freakout. Next thing you know, he's he's like in the middle of this giant New Year's Eve party, <laughs> and you're kind of like, "What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's all it's basically a kind of like Amityville horror in the vein of. Uh, how, uh, how, well, in this case, a hotel causing a guy to go into insanity, yeah. <laughs> basically. And just trying to figure out kind of why. You know, why are they doing this to him? But, you, yes, it's just... The thing that killed me about this movie is that Stanley Kubrick was constantly rewriting the script. Like, like during... Like, it got to a point where Jack Nicholson wouldn't even read the script he had because <laughs> he knew he'd be given rewrites yeah. multiple times a day. That's just not. No wonder he went. He probably was actually going crazy just because of that. Well, one thing he, uh, one thing Stanley Kubrick did, uh, a lot of people don't really notice it. It's a very subtle change. Um, there's a typewriter that gets used pretty extensively in this movie, and at the start of it, it has like a beige color to it. Every time they were done with the scene, he would have someone come in and they they paint the typewriter a darker shade of gray each time. <laughs> yeah. Why? To mess with us, man. Man, Kubrick is just a nutty fella. Like, I mean, it's just like the famous uh, door chopping scene where they went through 60 doors (laughs) because he wanted to keep getting it right. And it got to a point, that's why Jack Nicholson went, here's Johnny from the Johnny Carson, almost as a joke, and then it was in the movie. (laughs) Well, that is, to be fair, that's like a million times better than what was said in the book. It was, well, he uses a mallet in the book. Which, how that thing broke through a wooden door, (laughs) no idea, would be to it, I guess. Um, And he just says, take your medicine. That that doesn't sound as catchy. Yeah. Doesn't quite come across in movie form as maybe as well. I don't don't see a poster with Jack Nicholson's (laughs) face on it saying, take your medicine. The Shining, take your medicine. (laughs) That's that's a good tagline. (laughs) So, uh... So, okay, we'll just say, most. what's your most memorable moment of the movie that they, they like, maybe, since it is our creepy episode, that creeped you out the most, but maybe doesn't have a spoiler? <laughs> okay. Is that possible? Um, okay, I could do that. Well, there, the Torrances have a son. 
Uh, he eventually ends up uh, going to this room in the hotel he finds open, uh, which is odd because there's he just finds the door with the key in it and it's open. So he goes in and we don't see what happens, but all we find out is there was a crazy lady in there that attacked him. And Jack, after being badgered by his wife, is like, fine, I'll go check it out. And he goes. And he finds something incredibly unexpected in the bathroom. And he... A beautiful lady. Yes, yes. And things get pretty interesting. And you have like a few seconds where things get kind of hot and heavy. And then things just get incredibly incredibly scary and you just want to throw up in your mouth and that for me just solidified this movie as just one of the more scarier movies ever made you had your joaquin phoenix moment (laughs) if you remember in the movie signs when he's watching the news footage on tv the alien and when he sees it he like flies back in his chair like oh oh like covered his mouth (laughs) was that your moment there (laughs) No, it was more like uh, like all the blood just pretty much drained from my face. <laughs> well, that works too. You're, and my you're, heart... You were frozen. Yeah, frozen and then I'm me. pretty sure my heart stopped beating for a few seconds <laughs> and then sped up like a hundred times faster <laughs> to make up for that difference. Nice. But yeah, I mean, that's Dakota's first recommendation, the 1980 Stanley Kubrick film, The Shining, just a movie that just the way he filmed it is just filmed with a dread in the air and it lives up to that dread. One thing that kind of uh, really set the tone for this is the beginning shots of the movie. You're you're watching a yellow VW uh, just traveling along the mountains and you hear this incredibly just kind of haunting almost just hair-raising music and I don't remember I don't remember what it was um, who did the music for this movie but that in itself just kind of lets you know we're, we're going into dark waters here and I don't think at any point in time uh, this movie disappoints I mean, sure, it has a small cast, and, you know, some people might say, oh, well, that sounds boring, but I would definitely give this a shot. It's very, like, it's over two hours long, too, you know, and and do you feel that at all? Um, not at all. Like, obviously, the beginning takes a while to get going, and I, (laughs) the thing I find interesting about uh, the start of this movie, they kind of tell him straight off the bat, like, oh, well, you know, the previous caretaker went a little crazy. Uh, we think it was cabin fever, and he's like, oh, okay, cabin fever. That's all I gotta worry about. Thank God. Mm, yeah, and, 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 and am I right in saying that wasn't it, wasn't the novel it's based off of called Cabin Fever? No, it was The Shining. It was called The Shining. For some reason, I thought Stephen King had called it cabin fever does he have another thing called cabin fever Uh, i believe he does oh maybe i'm thinking of that so yeah so like i said that that would be the shining most people have heard of it not everyone's seen it it's not for everyone but um i guess if he's if he's tickled your fancy is that the right (laughs) i don't know that's the right phrase um that's one to check sounds appealing (laughs) there you go i'm sticking with tickle fancy sounds kind of weird though but we're going to go into my first recommendation, which I decided to go a classic also, but 20 years earlier than The Shining in 1960, a little, and it was little, it was basically self-funded by the director, a little movie called Psycho, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, um, again, based on a novel, um, and the novel was actually inspired by a real-life serial killer, Ed Gein, which I don't know if that's a guy I would look for, to for inspiration, but that guy did. Hitchcock got a hold of the book, thought it was interesting, and said, I'd like to film some sort of version of this, and he did, and he starred someone in the, in the main role that you wouldn't really expect, Anthony Perkins. He was only kind of known as a comedy guy, and he played Norman Bates in this, 
And then around him you had Janet Lee, aka Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, <laughs> as Marion Crane. And you had Vera Miles playing her sister in this movie. And it's just uh it's another movie where like The Shining, most of it takes place on one location. A lot of horror movies have sense you to do that. Yeah. Kinda you hang at one location and it's like the events that happen in that location. Um, but the setup for this is you have a woman named, like I said, Marion Crane, played by Janet Lee, who is given money to deposit at the bank for her boss. And this is what's interesting is <laughs> she's basically your protagonist here, and she's not having the most scrupulous moments <laughs> of her life on the way to the bank. It goes through her head, I could run away with this money. And she decides to do just that. She takes this money and takes off. I, I can't remember. It, it was 1960, and so, like, now, by today's standards, be like, is that enough money to... <laughs> like, would somebody really run off with that I mean, it was still a lot of money. But if they refilmed it today, they'd have to have it be, like, Half a million. Yeah, they'd have to have it be like half a million or seven hundred fifty thousand for it to even be enticing by today's standard. It's like in uh, when uh, Doctor Evil's like one million dollars, <laughs> and they're like, "That's not that much anymore," and he changes it to a billion. Um, and she does, but on the way there, she ends up stopping at the Bates Motel, kind of off the main drag. Hotel, not many people go to motel. I should say that not many people go to anymore. And she meets the the local dude who works there, named Norman Bates, and he's kind of an odd fellow who kind of runs this place. His mom lives on the house up on the hill. Him and his mom do, and you basically um, follow the events that transpire. Obviously, most people know the. <laughs> There's a train coming through the wall. It's the Polar Express. Ignore the train. But you basically are leading up to the events of the shower scene. And I don't feel so bad spoiling this because it's so famous. Yeah. Everybody knows the shower scene where the person you've been following for half the movie is all of a sudden killed. This is this was like groundbreaking movie making. Groundbreaking movie making. <laughs> Ooh, that rhymes. Right here in the fact that the main protagonist you're following is killed halfway through by a jealous mother. By Norma Bates' jealous mother. And a lot of people, this is a movie where that scene is enhanced by the music. Um, a lot of people think that scene's gorier than it is because Hitchcock filmed it in a way where your mind fills in the blanks in how it's shot and it's just it's just that i mean there's a reason that's the most famous scene the way he puts it together in just the quietness and then when the music kicks in the famous <laughs> music where um who did the music? bernard herman did the music where he just did the famous shrieking string instruments and man what a scene but <clears throat> if you if you haven't seen this movie don't I mean, that's only halfway through. I mean, there's still a lot of movie here. And it's a very interesting, very... In fact, the scene I would like to bring up as maybe most memorable, creepy scene. The shower is the easy one, but there's another scene in the movie, too, where... Marion's sister is sneaking through the house, trying to figure out what's going on, and she's... Finally comes in the room where she sees where Norman's mom is and she's going up to the chair and she's reaching out. And that scene right there, I almost find that scene almost more shocking and, and just when she's approaching Norman's mother in that scene. And so if you haven't seen this movie, it's it's a very interesting study in in filmmaking and, and really when you look at the history of the movie, how he commercial, how Alfred Hitchcock commercialized it to get people to the theaters to see it. And just everything about it is just really cool. And it's a movie where, if you're not really into 
Um, blood and guts. Blood, guts, language, any of that stuff. It's just a straightforward, scary movie, I guess is what I could say there. But at the same time, like like Dakota, I'm sure would argue about The Shining too, is it, it's not just a horror movie that there's another element of psychological... Yeah, but kind of uh, back to what you were movie saying... Movie making to it. ...about uh, Vera Miles' character going through the house. Yeah. She comes to Norman Bates' bedroom, and it looks like a little kid's room. Yes. Because you see the, the toys laying around. And then one thing that always got me is she finds, like, a leather-bound book unmarked, and she opens it up, and, like, her face kind of contorts, and she's, like, just l- looking through this, and it always got to me. It's like, man, I wish we could see what was in there. Yeah, it, it kind of lo- leaves it a mystery what exactly she's looking at. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was disturbing, but... It was just one of those things where you're just like... Yeah, and, and kind of the, the relationship they set up between Norman and his mother is that he still is treated like a little boy. Yeah. And that no, no matter how old he is, he's always little Norman. And you kind of get the sense that there's some there's an abuse going on there, too, between him and his, him and his mother, too. But it's just quite a movie to watch. Uh, like I said, again... You have to be in the mood and, and want to watch these type of movies. Um, and please keep in mind, this is the 1960s version. Yes, I'll say it again. 1960. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock directed one. Not the 1998 one directed by Gus Van Sant starring Vince Vaughn and Anne Heche. Stay away like it has the plague because I think it does. <laughs> so, yes. So those are our first two. Uh, I think before we go into our final two, Dakota and I want to run down kind of our list of others that we think are worth, and we'll just kind of go through, give a little little synopsis maybe. Yeah, I think my list is definitely a little longer than Steven's, but um, that's probably because I'm a little more into horror movies than he is. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm really picky. It has to be a certain kind for me to like it or see it, so. <laughs> But we'll just give a little blip about why we like them. I have... I'll, st- I'll start oldest and come to newest. So my oldest one on my others is The Wolfman from 1941. 1941, Wolfman. Again, don't watch the remake <laughs> from like 2010 or whatever with Benicio Del Toro. The original one is just... If you want to go back and see a really interesting kind of golden age Hollywood horror movie... That one I always thought was really good. Lon Chaney is really good at playing the Wolfman. You got Claude Rains in that movie. I mean, you got just wow. This is an early Universal horror movie that I think is worth. And again, we say horror movie. I mean, you understand this is nineteen forty one. You know, so it's not going to be as scary as it might have been at the time. But it's just an interesting look at the history of kind of scary movies, and that's just kind of a fun one. Uh, moving up to 1975, Jaws. I had to put that. Most of you are like, Jaws isn't a horror movie. <laughs> it is. It is. Because when you watch that movie, even if you're like, it isn't a horror movie, there's no blood and guts, and that's scary. How many of you, <laughs> every time you go to the ocean, hear, dun, dun, and are kind of thinking about sharks because of Jaws? That movie's scary. It makes you afraid of the water. And it's... But again, it doesn't focus on blood and guts. There's barely any in it because Spielberg had so much trouble getting that mechanical shark to work that they basically had to allude to it the whole time. <laughs> and it's just creepy in that sense of just the almost an unknown, but you know what it is in a way. And so Jaws, the original Steven Spielberg one. Again, don't watch the sequels. <laughs> They're not as good. Yeah, they definitely got... I'm trying to remember, didn't they make, like, four other Jaws movies? Well, there's four total. Oh, man. There's Jaws 2, Jaws 3D with Dennis Quaid, where it's at, like, a SeaWorld place. (laughs) And then there's Jaws the Revenge. Anyway, we won't talk about those anymore. It's enough time on those. Moving up to 2004, we skipped a lot of years. I moved up to Saw. Um, Again, I'm talking about the original Saw. I don't even like the other ones. The original Saw is just an interesting mixture of psychological thriller cat and mouse um whodunit type 
mystery all mixed in with that scary feel to it, and it's just kind of an interesting movie, and who doesn't love to see Carrie Elwes up on the screen? I mean, come on. And then the next year, I have Exorcism of Emily Rose, came out in 2005. I like this one, so it is a little bit of a jury trial movie also, in that it's a movie about... Um, a priest who's on trial for if he if he should be put in jail for murder for the murder of a girl that died during an exorcism. So was it the priest's fault? Wasn't it the priest's fault? He's on trial for it, but it still goes into the background of what he did in those times. And so yeah, it's an interesting movie just because it kind of gives you a different feel. It's not just like The Exorcist. It kind of goes into a different side of it here. That's also another one of those movies that's based on real events, but... Yeah, loosely. Yeah. The real events took place in, like, Germany in, like, the, what was it, 60s? Romania or something, (laughs) somewhere over in Europe, where it was a story about, yeah, it was a priest who was on trial for murder, but his defense was she was possessed by a demon, and I was trying to help. And so it, it plays on that. It's got a good cast, Laura Lenny, Tom Wilkinson. Campbell Scott, I think, is the prosecutor in it. Just, you know, they do a good job in that. Jennifer Carpenter plays Emily Rose. And then my last one would be one that just came out the other year in 2014 called The Babadook. Really unexpected. Uh, it's an Australian movie that is hard to explain. <laughs> There's this storybook that they run across in the house, and the mom starts realizing that this thing's in this the storybook they don't even know where the book came from could be happening in their house and you're trying to figure out what's happening what isn't happening and it's it's kind of one of those kind of creepy movies with a mom and child in a house and it was just kind of unexpected in uh in how creepy it was considering it was just some lady in australia just had a good script that she decided to direct and came up with this little little australian gem but yeah it's another interesting one yeah check out too this is one of those movies where i think pacing plays like a huge part in it yeah definitely and i like how it doesn't rely on jump scares yeah like it doesn't and what a jump scare is is when it's like they're walking really quietly there's really nothing and then all of a sudden the music just goes when they open the door and a cat just jumps <laughs> and it's really annoying <laughs> yeah that one's as old as the hills and people still fall for it but it's cause you never it's cause they try to do the thing where like maybe it isn't just a jump scare maybe it's really something and it's always a jump scare <laughs> but yeah that was unexpected but that's my list so The Wolfman 1941 Saw 2004 Exorcism of Emily Rose and The Babadook so Dakota what do you got Oh, man, my list is nowhere near as organized as Steven's. I'm just gonna hit, <laughs> I'm just hitting you with some some movies that kind of kind of stayed with me over the years. Um, the first one that came to my mind was the Night of the Living Dead, and sure, the original one was good, but personally, I always liked the remake that was actually there was a few remakes. Um, the one done in 1990 was, for me, uh, it was probably the first zombie movie I ever saw. Um, I always thought that one was, was a little better than the original one. I know some of you out there are like, burn him! (laughs) But I liked it. Uh, I think it was, uh, well, I shouldn't say I think. Uh, it starred Patricia Tolman as, uh, the main protagonist, uh, her and her... You know, I don't think they ever established... Was it her brother that goes with her to the cemetery? I've never seen it. Oh. <laughs> I'm well, going to be honest with you, I've never the, seen it. The first part of the movie is pretty true to the original, and a lot of people... This movie is actually directed by Tom Savini, mind you, um, who did, like, the makeup for uh, most of these... Uh, most of these zombie movies that George Romero was responsible for. And, uh, kind of, kind of started up, uh, KNB effects, which is responsible for the Walking Dead's makeup. But, uh, but yeah, the movie starts off in a cemetery, 
just like the original one did. Um, this lady and this guy are, are visiting their mother's grave. The guy starts taunting the girl. Um, you see somebody in the background who just looks like a hobo, kind of just, kind of just drunkenly walking around. And then he attacks the guy. And then next thing you know, it turns out there's other zombies just kind of walking around. And the girl tries to flee. She crashes her car. Uh, wakes, wakes up, uh, leaves the car, starts walking around, comes, comes to a farmhouse, decides that's the place, best place to take shelter. Uh, eventually, uh, Tony Todd character, Tony Todd's character Ben shows up. Uh, I don't remember what city it was he just escaped from, but apparently the, all hell was just breaking loose in this city. And I thought that was... Uh, he kind of seems maniacal, like, yeah, he just, he just saw some stuff, like, he just, he just fought off an army of the undead to get to this farmhouse, and, of course, it turns out that, uh, the owners of this house and their family are also still in this house, but they're hiding in the basement, and they think, oh, if we just lay low, the zombies will, the zombies will, I don't even think they use that word, I think they refer to them as the dead. Yeah, it seems like only in the comedy movies do they use the word zombie. Yeah. If you're like a serious horror, you have to call them like walkers or undead. Or <laughs> but yeah, Tony Todd's character kind of kind of motivates them to start defending this uh, this farmhouse, and naturally, this army of undead shows up, and they they want they want they realize that somebody's in this place, and they want in. Uh but yeah, that's one I always thought was really good. I unfortunately have have not encountered it on DVD. Usually uh, TNT was pretty good about showing it. Unfortunately, they are less of a movie channel these days. Yeah, I remember back in the day when TBS showed movies all the time yeah. too? They barely show any movies. Does TBS even show movies anymore? I On Saturdays? Oh, maybe. In the afternoon? In the afternoon. I remember TBS was a channel. It was like When I was a kid, it was like, Man, I could really go for some Back to the Future right now. Like, oh, I'm sure TBS is showing it. They always were. <laughs> yeah, what else do you got, Dakota? All right. Uh, two other movies that were always my favorite were the original Halloween and Halloween 2. Talking originals, I'm assuming. Is yeah, that what you said? yeah, not, not, not the... <laughs> Rob Zombie ones? No, but those were always kind of good because... Well, I shouldn't say kind of again... Those were always good because... I'm, I'm not feeling you really <laughs> you really like these. You keep no, going all kinda. Those were always good because, once again, it was all about the pacing. Michael Myers, he's out there. He's not just hacking everyone down that he comes across, but there's there was that psycho influence in this movie that was really strong. The, the you know, there's that famous scene where uh, the, the guy walks in with a bed sheet over him and it's kind of one of those, is that really him under there? And it was one of those things that, yeah, eventually you find out it wasn't. But it was just one of those things where it was just really creepy. And I know th this movie gets a lot of criticism. Like, oh, it was, he just like stole ideas from other people. Yeah, John, John Carpenter is the one who wrote and directed. Yeah. Did he do Halloween 2 also? Yes. And he did the music for it because, you know, he's just awesome. Yeah, with his synthesizer. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, that I always thought those two were strong. Uh, sure, the remake was watchable, I guess. It was okay. Uh, did not care for the, the sequel to the remake, though. Um, but, like I said, those, sure, there's there's some naughty parts in that movie, but it's it's not as serious as it used to be. <laughs> um so that's kind of that's like a strong recommendation i feel to be to be watching at this time of year um another one by john carpenter uh that we kind of talked kind of oh man i can't get out of that word <laughs> we well, did talk about that we did talk in a about remake episode was uh john carpenter's thing and that was probably one of the more interesting monster movies I think I've, I've ever Definitely. seen. I mean, the reason it came to mind when we did the remake episode was just, it was, 
one of the only remakes I can think of where the original premise is there, but he really just spun it on it. I mean, he just flipped it almost, where it was just like, wow, he took that idea and took it even to a more interesting level where he could where they could always be more creative yeah with it and and yeah you just and that's another movie where you really feel the isolation dread and and uh intensity of being trapped like the shining really where this, yeah. you're trapped okay and then another one this movie it seems has kind of fallen out of favor but it's still one of my favorite um the exorcist the original one again i'm assuming because there's been a few kind of remakes and knockoffs but oh has there been i know there was like a sequel with george c scott but what was that one they did with stellan skarsgård in like 2005 oh that was a prequel to the exorcist oh, yeah. i think it was never mind yeah. yeah it wasn't a remake it was a prequel i get confused there's so many different types of things we do now with movies remakes reboots <laughs> prequels sequels squeakles yeah this Ooh, is don't talk about squeakles this well, it seems like a lot of people kind of make fun of this movie because well, the puke. A lot of people say, "Oh, that just looks like cartoon stuff," and but I don't know. I don't, I still find this movie just creepy, and there's some scenes where I think a lot of people miss it, but you actually do see the demon in the background. I know there's a scene where uh, the mom is walking through the kitchen, calling the daughter's name, and you see it flash in the corner. For just a second, and you're like, oh, crap, things are about to get pretty serious here. But that's another one where the atmosphere is just really tense, and it kind of keeps you, makes you stay focused on what's going on on the screen, because you don't really know what's going to go on. Uh, movies where, like, demonic possession uh, are actually a fairly, fairly new thing. They're, they weren't very popular, even after this movie came out. There weren't many knockoffs, which, you know, there was a ton of knockoffs for Jaws, Psycho, Halloween. Psycho started the slasher craze. That's true. Kind of an unfortunate side effect of that movie, because it was a really good movie, but we didn't really need all the slasher flicks that it inspired. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one to I would check out if you haven't seen it. Uh, don't watch it alone, because... <laughs> As my brother said, he couldn't he couldn't uh, have the lights off in the house afterwards. He had to turn them all on. <laughs> and one I'm gonna go the one of the last ones I'm gonna talk about is the descent. Mm, okay. Which I'm gonna be honest with you, when I saw the trailers for this, I didn't think it was gonna be very good because it looked very cheesy. It. Uh, the premise was that these, uh, I don't think, I'm not, sh don't think the movie explicitly says where they're from, but, uh, this group of British girls, I'm sorry, ladies. Gets... Yeah, are they British or Australian? I always forget. <laughs> yeah, they never, I don't think they ever said, but, uh, they, one of them finds, a, finds out about this cave system, and I think it's supposed to take place in the Ozarks. And apparently nobody has ever dis gone ex exploring in this cave, so they decide, okay, we'll be the first. And they get lost. They find out they're, they're trapped down there. And they decide, okay, well, we might as well just keep going. Maybe we'll find an entrance. They end up finding something else along the way. And... I'm not sure how to describe these things. It's like... Well, the, the, it's kind of played out in the movie is... Are they real? Are they not real? It's yeah. kind of how it comes across, and it really holds you in that tension of that, really. That's the tension, really, of that, besides the fact that... Yeah, the, it's another... Usually the best kind of scariness is going to come out of some form of isolation. And again... Another case here where it's like, okay, they're not trapped in Antarctica, but they're in a cave. They're down in a cave that no one's ever been in before, and so you get that sense of kind of foreboding because of that. But Yeah, and that one was from, like, what, 2004, 5, somewhere yeah, in there? Yeah, 2005, but it's a really, really tense movie, and it's definitely worth watching. Yeah. 
but yeah, those are we spend a lot of time on our on our others there, and that's all right. Um, I like to give recommendations too. It's something we want to do with this show anyway. We talked about just something we want to do is throw out some recommendations of things we've liked, things we think are maybe worth a gander, a peek. But let's get back to the ones uh, we want to give more attention to, <laughs> even though we give a lot of attention to those, I guess. Anyway, but Dakota, why don't you go with your your uh, your second one you got there? All right, this is actually a fairly fairly new movie compared to everything else we just listed. It just came out last year, and it is called It Follows. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and. There's no easy way to describe this story, so I'm just going to jump right in there. <laughs> uh, this young lady who is dating this this guy who she finds, uh, I think she's supposed to be 16, and she's supposed to be dating like a college-age student who she finds just so much more mature and attractive and much more... They always are when they're older. <laughs> much more refined. Um... She's dating this guy, and he, for the most part, seems okay. Uh, eventually, this couple's relationship kind of progresses to the point where they find themselves in the backseat of his car. They, they end up making love, and that's where all normalcy ends for this movie. Because things get pretty crazy quick, he pretty much knocks her out. And when she comes to, they are in this abandoned building, and he's talking about it. I don't think they actually come up with a word for this thing. No, I just saw the tagline is, it doesn't think, it doesn't feel, it doesn't give up. That's very true. And... Naturally, you think, okay, wow, this guy's like a serial killer or something. But eventually, this thing does show up, and it's in the form of a woman who looks like she's dead. And naturally, our main character is just kind of freaking out, like, oh my gosh, what what is this? It's it's coming right for me. Uh, luckily, luckily, uh, her boyfriend, I don't know if you could still call him that at this point, takes the two of them out of there. Uh, he He's kind enough to drop her off at home, and he tells her, I think the last thing he says to her is, don't let it catch you. And naturally, the cops show up. They go looking for the guy. They can't find him. Uh, her family tells her, this is all just craziness. There's nothing out to get you. And she tries to go about her, her normal way of life, and you... She eventually comes to find out that something is following her, and unfortunately, nobody else could see this thing, but the movie pretty much just goes from there, and it's of her trying to avoid this thing, and she kind of finds a way to get rid of it, but yeah, you're going to have to watch the <laughs> There's... There's no easy way to explain this. It's just... She finds out that if she has sex with someone, it'll transfer to her, transfer that other person, and it will... This thing will leave her alone, so long as it doesn't get that other person. So a supernatural STD. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Un unfortunately, the... This whole story just does not work out for our main <laughs> character at all. Well, I wouldn't think it would. <laughs> but this is just one... It was something I liked... One thing I... What I liked about this movie is it was new. And it was something refreshing. It wasn't, oh, you know... <laughs> it sounds very refreshing. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. A lot of horror movies are just rehashes. Uh, sure, we have people that try to get inventive. Rob Zombie tried that. Kind of failed. Um... There's some other movies I could name. <laughs> the The Last Exorcism being one of them. Uh, one of another movie that tried to uh, tried the whole girl possessed by an evil spirit thing, which didn't really work. Um, it was just, you know, like I said, it was un 
almost like this movie was was this movie almost seems like it could have been done like years years ago because there's there's not a lot of you know these kids aren't sitting around just talking about Skype or whatever it is kids do. <laughs> They're just so it has kind of almost like a seventies horror feel in a way. Yeah, but it's kind a, of almost a throwback feel. Almost yeah, that. But it's I don't know. I'd say it's timeless. Like ten years down the road, I don't think you could you could d- definitely put this in a time period. There's no oh gotcha where they're not like relying on cell phones to progress yeah. the story and I got gotcha you now yeah sure and like I said this is another movie where it's just very the horror is subtle and then it they work it works its way up it's not like jump scares and blood and gore and hmm. but yeah that's I I'm I'm gonna say if you can. Check that one out. All right. Well, there you go. And uh, and I, I'll give my last recommendation here. I'm going, I think, the furthest back we've gone. Yes, and that's including Wolfman, because I picked a movie from 1940, and it's 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 a horror in in terms of it actually tried to have some legitimate spooky part but it's one that i always think is kind of fun to go back to it does lean more into comedy just because its star is bob hope (laughs) uh for those of you don't know which i'm guessing most of you don't i am a huge fan of bob hope i think he's still funny and uh i have a daughter whose middle name is hope and part of that is because of bob hope (laughs) there's other reasons but that was one of the reasons i wanted to be that and this movie is The Ghost Breakers. It's called The Ghost Breakers. And what it is is he's he's a he's a, a radio guy. You remember this is 1940. So he's a he's a he's a man he's a radio personality. That's what you call it, I guess. And uh he ends up going on this uh whoops. Sorry, dropping things. He ends up going on this uh journey where he meets this uh girl of course she's beautiful because he always ends up kind of going and macking on some beautiful girl in his movies and he's got this is the part that you have to kind of (laughs) he has a manservant that's black (laughs) oh and because it is 1940 and it doesn't come across as totally racist, but there are a few things that maybe could seem a little racist in this. I will warn you of that. Um, but it, it definitely doesn't take away from the movie, and it's not really the focus of the movie. But what it is is he ends up meeting this woman who's trying to investigate uh, a mystery going on with this haunted castle down in Cuba that she has... Um, a connection through through her family and so basically because he thinks she's hot <laughs> by today's words he's gonna help her too and so what the movie is is it's really uh um them getting involved in figuring out this mystery and there's some scary stuff in this there's actually the original type of zombie is in this movie where zombies after george romero is basically the one who reinvented the zombie into undead that unexplicably come up from the ground and meander on and slowly rot away whereas zombies were originally um dead people that were brought back through a voodoo curse and there's you know however you want to look at it there's rumors that there actually were voodoo zombies a lot of people think maybe it had to do with some sort of uh kind of crazy hypnosis type state that caused this but anyway yeah, it's kind of interesting because this movie does involve the original kind of voodoo zombie that this woman sends after them at one point. And, uh, yeah, and then it, I mean, there's just funny things with, um, how they deal with kind of the horror mo- or scary moments in the haunted mansion and stuff like this. But I just wanted to throw one out there because we were talking a lot about it, really kind of creepy ones. But this one is actually a good comedy horror without having to watch these new ones they come out with, like Paranormal Whacktivity, 
and whatever the Waynes brothers decide to make. But to go back to an old school, just funny comedy with some scary, like, you know, 1940s scary parts in it and stuff. And so, um, if you don't mind black and white, it's a really good, funny movie. I mean, I, I like Bob Hope's humor, so I think it's funny. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of my last recommendation to check out. If anything, Anthony Quinn's in it. And it's cool just to see a young Anthony Quinn in a movie because, and if you're going, who's Anthony Quinn? How dare you? Learn who Anthony Quinn is. He's been around forever, and he's awesome. So, yeah, that's kind of our our recommendation. The two main ones I focused on were Psycho from 1960, Ghostbreakers I just talked about from 1940 as mine. Dakota, what were the two? Mine were The Shining and It Follows. Yes, the original Shining. Not the weird TV remake <laughs> in the 90s or whatever. It's okay. I'm pretty sure we can't find that anywhere. Hopefully you can't find it. Maybe on YouTube. I think sci-fi might have buried it. Oh, sci-fi. They have everything. <laughs> they they show it. Double feature with Sharknado. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those are our, our recommendations. Um, maybe some things to watch as we get into the Halloween season here. Invite some friends over. According to Dakota's brothers, there's a few movies you shouldn't watch alone. So, <laughs> you might want to have somebody to watch movies with. And as always, uh, rate and review our episodes on iTunes. You know, like them, leave comments on YouTube if you're watching on there. And definitely like us on Facebook. We like to hear what you have to say we like to throw things on there for you so find us on facebook dakota boys talk movies we're on there look for the state of south dakota with a buffalo in it (laughs) that's our logo so yeah like us on there and i'm steven and i'm dakota have a spooktacular evening and remember stick to the right